Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 448. It doesn't really matter what you know or how much you have, but what it means in life and business is who you know. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Antonio Brunette. Antonio, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I think we're ready. All right. Great to have you here. Antonio Brunette is the president of Motostalgia, an auction company that specializes in offering rare and collectible automobiles procuring consignments and collections from around the globe. The company is based in Austin, Texas, with offices in Mexico City and Monte Carlo. Motostalgia is one of the few premier auction companies to bring in international offerings to the U.S. market. The company is comprised of a group of motor car enthusiasts, nostalgic about the fine automobiles of the past, and passionate about the future of the collector car industry. Now the official partner of SVRA, Motostalgia provides the true enthusiast with opportunity to enjoy two of the most exciting experience in motorsports, auctions, and vintage racing, something near and dear to my heart. Antonio, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mark, and that was an excellent introduction. (laughs) You're welcome. I think you covered most everything, but I will uh, expand on that. We are a young company. We are a catalog auction company. What that means is uh, every time we have an event, we produce a hard copy uh, catalog of the vehicles that we offer. Our uh, motto is to offer the rarest and finest collector cars. So my history really in cars uh, have been based on passion around that. The rarest and finest, the historically important, uh, the hard to find cars, the ones that have survived in their original shape uh, for many decades. Our company now has seen a, a very welcome success in this industry due to the fact that it has, uh, the industry in itself has been growing and the main leaders of the industry, which are friends of ours, have gone to uh, uh, almost the stratosphere on uh, prices with cars, which is great. It's great for everybody. I think 
in the uh, last few years, we've seen an increase of collectible cars going to the investment uh, range, uh, such as Ferraris, uh, uh, rare uh, racing Mercedes and Alphas. So the uh, the segment that we have focused to serve since we opened doors as an auction house has been the higher end segment of unique and rare cars, usually in the value uh, somewhere between 100000 to 500000 which is a segment that was kind of left behind after the incredible growth that the leaders of the industry have seen, since now they're uh, very regularly selling a million-dollar-plus cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, you know, the market has just gone, like you say, stratospheric. It's absolutely incredible, and as you watch these auctions happen, and the time we're recording this show, of course, the show go live, goes live in February, but the uh, Arizona auctions are coming up next week. So we'll see more and more cars across the block and watch the prices continue to rise. And uh, some of us that would love to have some of those cars, we kind of watch them drive off into the sunset with some of these prices. But, you know, I think it's good for the market and it's good for cars and certainly great for those people who want to sell their vehicles now and, and for people who are looking to acquire investment grade vehicles. And we're going to learn more about you and your business as we continue on your journey. But I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that has a great meaning in your life and your business, and it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Antonio, take the wheel. So a quote, I guess, that my dad has really uh, set in stone in growing up with him. He's a civil engineer that had his uh, construction company actually in Mexico. I'm, I was born in Mexico City. My family is from Barcelona, Spain. He's always kind of told me that it doesn't really matter what you know or how much you have, but what it means in life and business is who you know. And I've really taken that to heart. And, uh, you know, I've chosen this industry, which is the collector car industry, to be my love uh, and my lifelong profession against my, you know, regular institutional education because I graduated as an architect and I actually have. Uh, a degree also in literature. Oh, wow. Um, but cars have been literally in my blood uh, since a very early age. And I paid my, well, my way through school, so literally paid college by buying and selling classic cars. All right, good for you. And uh, soon after, I started working within my field and found that I wasn't as happy as I was buying and selling cars. Mm. So, <laughs> so I made a, a, a drastic change and decided not to go through my uh, regular uh, studies in my field that I had gone through school for and, uh, and dedicate my passion to uh, in my life to what I was really passionate about. And that quote that my dad has really ingrained in me has become very useful because really is about knowing people, knowing uh, the yeah, you know the characteristics and the cars that people own, and just really making a human connection with our clients is which really has helped us tremendously. You know, there, you dropped a, a lot of golden nuggets there, and as I go through talking with so many people on cars, yeah, here it always comes back to the people, the people, the people. Even though this is all about cars, but it's always the people behind the cars and the connections we make with those people and the people we learn. I get to sit here and talk to people from all over the world like you, and it is, it's really enlightened me that the car hobby is about the people. Your father, 
hit the nail on the head there since he was in construction. I'll use that pun. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool that you uh, you discovered early on and did a pivot in your career path at architecture, which is very much about design, just like cars. You made that pivot and moved into the field of passion, which is what Cars Jazz is all about. So fantastico, as I always say. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment in your life looking back that you really realized that Antonio was a car guy? Uh, that's a great question. And I'm, I'm going back here through the archives in my head. And, um, I guess always as a child, uh, my family was, uh, impressed and interested, uh, that, uh, as we took long drives, cause my dad loved to drive and we had actually a home in San Antonio, Texas while we lived in Mexico. So we drove that a lot, mm-hmm. um, back and forth. I would stare at the mirror of the car a lot at the rear view mirror. Uh-huh. And, uh, I would play a game with my dad of recognizing cars by their headlights. <laughs> Very um, cool. So at night, I could tell exactly what car it was just by the way the light will shine out of their headlights. Yeah. And uh, so really anything, and that's obviously at a very, very young age. And as I grew older, you know, it's most of uh, my interest was always aligned with cars and really has never been more of a uh, show, uh, show the cars per se, but more of interest of the design and history. I'm kind of a history buff. Mm-hmm. Uh, architecture, actually, my uh, concentration was in uh, historical preservation of buildings. Oh, nice. Um, so it's the history of the cars that have really embraced uh, who I am as a person. And, uh, and that's really what attracts me to the cars. You know, I love this story because I hear this from a lot of my guests when they were little kids recognizing cars from their headlights or taillights. I used to do the same thing. <coughs> Excuse me. When I was a, a child, most of our family trips were in station wagons going across the country from San Diego to Texas, where my grandparents lived in Oklahoma and Arkansas and Tennessee. And yeah, looking out that window and recognizing the cars that go by and uh, seeing how many different models you can name, kind of playing that game with my dad, my sister, my mom. So it's a great story. It's wonderful. I would love to crawl under the hood and talk to you a little bit about some of the roads you've driven down, uh, maybe talk about a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you faced along the way. But the most important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you? Uh, I think the biggest challenge has been a business owner. Um, you know, I was, uh, after I worked within my field for three years, after I graduated and made the leap into uh, owning my own business, um, it's without a doubt, a daily struggle, if I can use that word, but it's a very rewarding struggle, mm-hmm. um, because there is so many different facets of a business that funny enough, at least in my education, um, I didn't get preview to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's really something that you have to learn hands on. Um, and, uh, we've been and I say we because my business partner, uh, in a sense, is my best friend that we went to college together. And soon after, we decided to go to business together. Wow. Uh, so we've gone through kind of this entrepreneurial 
uh, experiment <laughs> uh, <laughs> together in a sense, and we're still best friends, and we still, um, you know, really get in touch many times throughout the week and help each other out in business. He focused his life in real estate. I focused my life in cars. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole challenge and the whole process in making mistakes, and when, when, I, make, when I mean mistakes, it's large monetary mistakes. Um, it's very difficult to bounce back oh, yes. uh, morally more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, f- the recession, for example, hit us uh, very hard and we were near bankruptcy. Uh, due to the big drop in the market uh, for collector cars and um, to be able to hang on really by the nails and, you know, do the right thing morally to both creditors and clients and everybody involved around your business as well as employees and keep everything alive and the the dream alive because it's really a dream, right? Oh, yeah. That that has been the hardest thing as a person, uh, to do it morally and not give up, yeah. right? Always get up in the morning and try again. It's uh, it's not an easy thing, at least in my life, hasn't been. No, you know, I have heard this from so many of my guests that are entrepreneurs, this entrepreneurial roller coaster that we're on, and especially when things completely out of our control are thrown at us, like a huge recession in the market where money pulls back and all of a sudden where'd all the customers go where all the buyers go and to be able to hang on and i loved your use of the word morally to still take care of those people you owe money to and let me ask you this because this is so important for people because the market will go up and down it will do crazy things what's the biggest lesson you learned from that experience that you'll use again when the market does decline again because it will that's a great question and it has been without a doubt, one of the most important lessons as an entrepreneur, um, be conservative. Mm, Uh, And it's it's just like that. Honestly, the way that we run our business today is the way that I always, I'm prepared to run it on a recession in a sense that we are very frugal and we try to be very smart with our expenses and with our credit. Yes. You definitely need credit to grow a business. And that's one of the things we had a lot of right pre, uh, pre-recession <laughs> and most and a lot of people abused oh, yes. and in a sense fell very free because of it yeah and uh so for example i don't actually have a credit card these days i do for emergencies but i simply don't use it we literally buy and invest in our business based on what we have mm. and use our credit very very conservative for a strategic growth. So I think that's that's the biggest lesson. We try to shoot from the start, right from the beginning. We, uh, we're both go-getters and there were credit lines that were given to us and we try to make our business as big as we could, which we did before the recession. Mm-hmm. And then the recession came and you know it was a big eye-opening to exactly what you said, the ups and downs of the, uh, of the market. Yes. So I think we're... Uh, as people, as moral beings, I think we we are a lot more prepared uh, mentally for that and certainly fiscally for that. Yes. You know, I love that answer. And Cars Yeah listeners out there, pay attention to this, especially if you're young in business, because it is so, so important. The recession that happened in 07, 08 and carried through to, for years and years, 
were as a result of people borrowing too much money and getting themselves in trouble. And so uh, great, great answer to that question. I'm so happy that uh, you're operating your business the way all businesses should be operated now. And I hear that again from many, many of my business guests. Fantastic. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call a career aha moment when those headlights come on and illuminate your way for this new direction, this new idea that you had in your company. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, that's actually the basis of our business, this aha moment. I've been buying and selling cars, both retail, and when I say retail, literally through our brick and mortar store, as well as classic car auctions. Classic car auctions is a very important element in this industry and in our culture as, a, as American car guys. We love going to auctions. We love going to auctions to see what prices they're going to sell, to see if we can get a bargain, and obviously to see if we can sell our car for a good price. Mm-hmm. So I have great relationships with most, if not all, of the auction houses in the country. At a, one point in my career, I was traveling 48 weekends out of the year oh to going gosh. to 48 different classic car auctions. Yeah, There's literally a classic car auction going on almost every weekend of the year. And as I went further in my career and we grew in the value of the cars that we were investing on and uh, taking care of, we uh, I saw shortly after or soon after the recession – when the economy was bouncing back, and this is about 2009, 2010, 2011, we really saw a lot of traction getting on this industry, that the big auction houses, and you know I know them well, Rob Myers is the owner of RM, mm-hmm. and David Gooding of Gooding & Company, and Craig Jackson of Barrett Jackson, mm-hmm. that different cars that I used to consign to them they will no longer consider them to their auctions. And mainly I'm talking about RM and Gooding. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that was they were growing into a different market bracket, which is this super priced million dollar plus investment car. We really saw a change in the market where people, and I'm talking about artistic and design enthusiast investors, they started broadening their kind of collections from just art to actual uh, automotives. Mm. And it really, you know, the prices that we've seen for many years, for as long as I've been alive on a Picasso, it really has transferred in a sense to magnificent cars such as the W196 Mercedes that broke $29 million <laughs> yes. uh, in 2012, I think it was. Yeah. Um, wow. So it's really, you know, the the money that we've seen transferred to this industry in those hyper-value cars, it's really has been from investors that are that have collections of art and design. So that's a long way of saying I saw how these companies have been very successful at growing that and making that jump to the next kind of value car and they left a gap and they left a gap that to me was aha i think i can do that i Mm -hmm. think i have the experience and the connections and the knowledge to build a company to be able to serve that market and that has been that market that hundred thousand to five hundred thousand dollar car where it's not necessarily a car that do very well at a 
regular Barry Jackson or a Mecom sale and the guys RM and Gooding don't necessarily consider it anymore. They do have some of them because their business now is serving a higher value car. So that spread in the middle is where you saw that opening. Exactly. So these are fantastic automobiles. We're talking the new up and coming Ferraris. We saw we were talking about the pre-war, you know, they're just amazing Auburns, Packards, Cords. We're talking about the up-and-coming Porsches, the smaller Mercedes. So all these cars that are very popular have great following and some of them amazing history that didn't really have a home per se, if we can call it that, an auction house. Mm -hmm. And that was my aha moment. At that point, I said, you know, I'm really going to move forward from this point and strike, uh, try to start connecting the pieces to make an auction house that can serve that segment. And that's what we did. You know, it's a wonderful story for, again, those listeners out there, those entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, sidepreneurs, whatever it is you have an idea for businesses, look for an opening in the market, an opportunity in the market. On the racetrack, it's that opening into a corner where you can dive in and pass somebody. Uh, it's a wonderful story. I really appreciate you sharing that. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out for you that you could share with us? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the very first auction that we did was 2013 here in Austin, Texas, during Formula One. And that has given me a couple of really proud moments. First, the precursor to that, how that came about, and the last piece of the puzzle to really jump and opening an auction house was in 2012. So a year prior, my classic car company, which was mainly a dealership, we got the contract to supply Formula One with 24 collector cars to be driven by the Formula One pilots, actually to be chauffeured. So uh, the pilots will be chauffeured to do a parade lap before the, before the race started. Yeah, I remember seeing them in those cars. Yeah, so those were our cars. Those were my cars that I supplied and we sponsored that event. And... I got to drive the very first car, the leading car, which was a, six, a black 67 Corvette, 427, 435 horsepower. You know, the, uh, the iconic big block Corvette. Oh, yeah. I got to drive that car with Sebastian Vettel, which at the time was a four-time world champion. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> and driving that around uh, Circuit of the Americas with 200,000 people just screaming and cheering you on and cheering of obviously uh wow. Vettel and the rest of the drivers that was that was an amazing experience uh, you know I, I don't think I I've paralleled that with many other things but that <laughs> yes. was awesome but I saw really an opportunity there and again it was the last piece of the puzzle to say I'm going to go ahead and move an auction during this event mm -hmm. and it was literally the 12 months later that we opened our auction house with our first auction during that weekend. Yeah, so walking into our facility, seeing our display of cars, seeing our uh, technology that we implemented, because we have a, uh, an Apple app where you can see our cars in uh, literally virtual inspection. You can rotate it with your finger, open doors, look it inside. Seeing people looking at our cars, playing with the iPads that were displayed in front of the car, and just really making their way from the track 
to our event mm -hmm. was an extremely proud moment for me. And, you know, that night we had a, a gala the night before the auction, seeing celebrities there. I think we hosted a number of celebrities that, that, uh, that year and uh, people really enjoying the hard work that we had put in to put this event. It was really a fantastic moment and kind of a, it reinforced my thought that was literally years before. So almost four years before when I, when I made that decision to go and chase a, to become an auction house, really established it and the foundation that this is that I was in the right place and I was doing the right thing for me as a person because I felt it felt great, it felt good, it felt that I'm, I was doing the right thing. Yeah, fantastic! Congratulations! What fun <laughs> driving Sebastian Vettel around a racetrack! <laughs> wow, not too many people get to say they've done that. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? I know you've a lot of cars have crossed your hands, but let's go all the way back to the first one that really you strived for, that you really wanted, you finally got. We sat a doubt is a car that I still own. It's a 63 Corvette split window. Oh, the 63. Perfect. Yeah. Year. Yeah. Absolutely. It's always mesmerized. Uh, it just really attracted me, the design of the car. Soon after I graduated with my undergrad, actually, as I was graduating, this is a funny story. We did my very last semester. I did it abroad. And I say abroad because I went back to Mexico <laughs> to do it. But I had already completed all my courses for my uh, for my degree. And I just needed, I think it was nine more credits. So I did a summer abroad. And I went to Mexico. And as I was going through school, I was filling out, uh, sending my resumes and applications to get a new job. Well, funny enough, I got hired over the internet. Uh -huh. Back in the day, this is 2000. Wow, oh. it's been a long time. Yeah. The summer of 2000, I got hired on a uh, on a Skype interview. Funny to say, <laughs> to become a teacher, I was an architectural and drafting and engineering drafting teacher. Soon after that, I think it was the next day or within two days that I felt that I was financially ready to buy my dream car because now <laughs> I had an actual job. Yeah, and I knew how much I was going to make in the next 12 months. Sure. So. I bought my first split window on eBay from Mexico the day after the, or the following day after I got hired. <laughs> and uh, my brother and I flew to New York. The car was actually in Canada. And, uh, and we drove it all the way back to Texas. Oh, wow. And uh, I still own the car. And it's, it's been my dream car. And uh, I think I'll keep it probably until uh, I go to the next uh, – to the next life, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's so fun. Not too many people get to say they get to keep that first special car. I'm so glad you still have it. Yeah, let hang on to that. Don't let it go. Uh, too many good memories there. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you had back? So I'm kind of a hoarder of classic cars in a sense. If I could and I had enough space and money, I wouldn't really sell because I just like them. Oh, and I can see, you know, I go to a lot of collections and meet a lot of people that have two, three, four hundred cars. And some people ask, why in the world would they do that? And I can totally see that because <laughs> there is there's a reason that I can see on every single car that I would like to keep. I mean, the famous word here in my in my business is uh, this one I'm keeping. Because yeah. usually when I buy a car to resell I usually tell my people, my employees, and say, no, I'm, I bought this one for me. This one I'm keeping. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, you know, not long after, 
it will go up for auction and it'll sell and I'll buy another one. Well, you do know the difference between a business and a hobby, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've married the two for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me, let me go back to the original question. Let's, let's go back and pick one car that you do really, really think back all the time and go, man, I kind of wish I kept that one just for myself. That's a very tough one. I know. Yeah. Jeez, there's so many going through my head right now. <laughs> I've owned a lot of Corvettes. There was a specific Woody uh, wagon that I really loved. That one, this, this is a painful, yeah, it's yeah. going through these memories. Hmm. Uh, it's really, really difficult to choose. I think maybe a, an Auburn Speedster. Ooh, yeah. A 1928 Auburn Speedster, not long ago. Mm-hmm. I purchased it, and uh, I meant to keep it. It was actually an original car, never been restored, Survivor. It's nice. usually the ones that I like the best. Wow. And it made sense at the time to sacrifice it. And I use the <laughs> word sacrifice because <laughs> as I was growing my business, which brings another one, and I'll, I'll mention that one too. As I was growing my auction business, I had to sell and offer some of my own cars uh-huh. to really establish the level of vehicles that we were hoping to achieve and we have achieved so i offered it in one of my auctions and i was praying that it wouldn't sell but it did sell <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one is one and then another one it's a, a lamborghini countach i used to own a, a 89 countach uh, uh 25th yeah. anniversary black and black you know it's the poster car it's growing as a kid oh, that's yeah. exactly the car i had in my wall uh, i did too and uh, when I bought it, man, I really thought I, I, I had uh, achieved something in my, <laughs> in my car <laughs> dreams. And uh, sure enough, I put it in one of my very first auctions. I think it was actually the first auction. Yeah. It ha- this is without a doubt the biggest regret because yeah. it sold. I sold it at the time for 155000 which was actually super strong for the market at the time. Sure, sure. But needless to say, three months later at Amelia – which is our very next inaugural sale. Mm-hmm. But at the Amelia auction sales, the Lamborghini Countach made a, a leap on price to now be selling for 350000 So $200,000 more than what I sold before three months. <laughs> so that was a tough one to swallow. <laughs> we never know what things are going to do. And I'm proud of the fact that instead of borrowing money to grow your business, you you sold cars that you invested in and you did it that way. That really was the smart way to do it because, you know, just as easily as cars go up, they can come back down as you learn. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. How about uh, the current year here? We're into the new year. What has you really excited about your business this year? So the growth, we've seen an incredible growth on in our business. And again, I really think it's because of the uh, original philosophy of trying to serve this underserved segment of the market Mm -hmm. where we have been received with open arms by collectors. And last year we signed the contract as a, a, the official partner of the sport vintage racing association. So now we, we dedicate our our auctions to be around the races, the vintage races, which I love. And I'll explain later why I love that. Mm -hmm. But this coming year we signed the contract not long ago, literally just a few weeks ago, to host our very first sale at the Amelia Island Concord Weekend. It's one of the three major markets that we think of in the country. You know, we obviously have Pebble Beach, which is 
kind of the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. We got Scottsdale that every year kind of sets the pace of what's going to happen that year for classic cars. Yes. And then Amelia really has been the up and coming event that has uh, really attracted a lot of attention from, I guess, being the East Coast, Florida, the snowbirds, just the timing was right. The place is gorgeous. And I'm the fourth auction to go there. They have RM, Gooding, Bonhams, now Motostalgia will be there. And I'm super, super excited about that. Yeah, congratulations. Bill Warner's been a guest here on Cars, yeah as have many of the Concours event directors across the country. So uh, really proud of you there. That's a great, great event to be associated with. Fantastic. And I'm very proud and happy to say that Cars Yeah is a sponsor at Amelia Island this year as well. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Antonio. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? (laughs) I think... uh... Man, that is a really good question, but <laughs> I think I will be a Land Rover Defender. Oh, okay. And why is yeah. that? Why is that? Just a trooper. Uh-huh. I'm I'm ready for everything. Uh, I and like anything. it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm old school. You know, the, the design of it has pretty much stayed the same since 1948. Very few refinements. I'm a very strong believer in uh, this quote that I think it was Picasso's quote that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication Mm, yes it's as simple as they come which is like me and very reliable so yeah land rover (laughs) defender i like it great answer (laughs) i love the the story behind it too very appropriate that's great well antonio up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal let's say thank you to today's cars yeah sponsors if you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over congratulations you're ahead of most people But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. All right, Antonio, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. I know you love vintage racing, so you'll get this part. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give us some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yep. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Patience. When you are broken down in the middle of the road and it's hot, 110 degrees in the summer in Texas, and your 63 Corvette won't start, just be patient. <laughs> Patience. <laughs> yeah, and always make sure that cell phone is charged up. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Ethics. Mm. I make it an absolute point to always do the ethical point, uh, the ethical right thing to do. And always treat people like people, like you would like to be treated. And don't put money first. I I always put people first. Yeah, great advice, great advice. Is there a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners you think they would really enjoy? Yeah, you know, the different sites that follow. If you're a a car aficionado and, and, and love what the market's doing, which is incredible and really interesting, I love the archives from auctions. So seeing the results and uh, and seeing what the different cars have gone and, and following trends of the market, 
I, I find that really interesting. There is a uh, sport car market. Mm-hmm. Does, uh, does a really good job. Yep. Uh, and that's probably the one that I use the most. Yeah. Keith Martin's been a guest here on the show as well. So I love his magazines and uh, his emails I get every week to see what the market's up to. How about a book? Is there a book that you'd like to share with our listeners that you enjoyed reading? Yeah. I guess the one that comes to mind to mind as a business is uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Oh yeah, <laughs> From, I think that if anybody that wants uh, or has inspiration to be an entrepreneur, yes, uh, they should read that book for sure. Yeah, I read that years ago. I reread it every so often. It still holds true today. So great book. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources Antonio's been so kind to share at CarsYeah.com/slash Antonio Brunette. And there's a great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the other past guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Antonio. And this last question can be a real doozy, especially for someone like you that has so many cars passed through your hands. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because I'll buy you whatever you'd like. I'm going to raise my bidding paddle very <laughs> high today for you. What would that one vehicle be and why? Actually, that's an easy question for me. Okay. 1950 Chiss Italia Abarth 204A X Tasio Nuvolari. Ooh. It's a car that I found in Argentina, and I was able to convince the owner uh, that he had had since the late 60s for that car to be offered at my auction. It's a car that has really embraced me in the history of it and how magnificent it is and representative it is of just classic and collector cars. I uh, explained a little bit of why we did uh, or touched a little bit of why we are the sponsors of uh, um, this uh, SVRA and the vintage races. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to have a father that loves to travel. I've been going to events in Europe, car events for many years. uh, And I'm talking about Goodwood, Nuvering, the Monaco Historics, Silverstone, and these racing events that marry enthusiasts and auctions mm-hmm. really, I think they're incredible. They're fantastic. I mean, yeah. if, if any of you get the chance to go to these events, please do so. The Monaco Historics is just amazing to see these uh, vintage cars racing uh, around the city where the Formula One does still. Uh, it happens every other year. It's happening this 2016. Mm-hmm. The Goodwood Revival event is just amazing to see people dressed up in vintage clothing with vintage cars. Yeah. So this car is really uh, the first touch that I had, hands-on uh, experience that I had with that life and with that uh, that iconic kind of uh, era of racing that started in the uh, early 1900s. Yeah. And Tasio Nuvolari, without a doubt, is the most legendary and by many people, including Enzo Ferrari, the best driver ever. This is the car that he last drove before he died. 1950, he drove it at the Targa Florio, which is a very important race in Italy. He drove it and won at the Palermo Monte Pellegrino uphill race. And that happened to be the very last race he did. So his last race he won in this car. He died a couple of years later from uh, TB. He had uh, tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And I found this car. The gentleman that owned it, he owned it before was Sergio Lugo. He's the guy that consigned it to us. And I met him in Argentina. He told me about the car. 
the car was actually on display uh, at the uh, at the Torino Museum in Italy. We flew to Italy to go pick it up. I did an interview with him in front of the uh, uh, of the fountain of uh, the twelve months there in, in Torino mm-hmm. with the car sitting in there. We got some beautiful pictures of that. Wow! So knowing how this car was involved with Tassino Valari, it was a car that was first designed and uh, and built with engineering of Ferdinand Porsche before he created Porsche as a company. Mm-hmm. It's a car that was obviously designed by Carlo Abarth specifically for uh, Tassino Valari. And it really represents the downhill of Cisitale, which was a brand that very successfully competed against Ferrari in the late 40s. And he bought, he, Piero Ducio, which was the owner of Cisitalia, he, uh, he grew too fast. And I kind of, that kind of really touched me in a sense because his company went bankrupt because he tried to build the best Grand Prix car, which was the, uh, the Project 360. And that Tassi was obviously going to race. And that's how he, that's why he hired Ferdinand Porsche to work for him. And honestly, uh, at the end of the, 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 the times, he ended up being the wrong approach to a business because it, bro- it bankrupt him. Yeah. And this 204A was one of the very last cars that they built. And uh, man, just if I could have a car for myself and to be able to take it to Goodwood and the Monaco Historics and all these incredible events, that would be it. Wow. What a story. Interesting background in history. Fantastic choice. First one to ever choose that on this show. That's very, very cool. Antonio, you have taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off in the sunset in that Chase Italia Abar? <laughs> <laughs> um man there's this great picture uh that i always have in my head and it talks about perspective and the reality how it's different for each one of us mm-hmm. and uh, i really apply that to everything in my life personal business and fun the ability to see other people's perspective I think is it, it has been uh, what I have valued the most, what I work on the most, because it's difficult sometimes to step out of yourself, mm-hmm. your own self. So yeah, for everybody out there, man, when it's uh, when you talk about cars, you buy a car, you sell a car. Sometimes we get very wrapped up in the details and oh, this classic car is not running, and it wasn't as described as <laughs> many, many many times happens in this industry. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day. It's a toy, right? It's a toy that we that signifies a lot of human history and that touches us as men and women and humans for being able to transport us to different places. But perspective, right? I, I think overall people mean well and they try to do the right thing. And it's sometimes their perspective that is a little uh, obscured, I guess. Yeah, uh, very so, well yeah, said. Perspective. Very well said. Yes, absolutely. What is the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? I try to be active with social media. It's a new thing. Uh, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in the late 70s, mm-hmm. but still I'm not as as proficient as the new kids. I mean, some of the new generation is just really good at that. Yep. So I do have a Facebook page, public Facebook page. I do a lot of that Instagram. I think it's great uh-huh. sharing pictures of cars. Yep. And we're recently on Motostalgia.com. If you click where it says Omnibid, 
which is a new format to uh, accessing auctions through our auction and through our, uh, our website, you can access, you're going to be able to access all of the other different auctions and events through our blog. So we're nice. creating a blog, Omnibid. Omnibid, what it means is I'm actually present personally at most, if not all, but not definitely not all, but most of the auctions around the world. Mm -hmm. And what I offer to my clients is the ability to give them uh, advice and offer them the, uh, the representation to buy a car at, at the different auctions around the world. You know, the coolest one I'll be going here pretty soon is which I go yearly there is a uh, retromobile sales in Paris. Oh, yes. The Bonhams and the Grand Palais and the Art Curial sale and the RM auction. And then as regular as the uh, the Mecom sales in Kissimmee, I will be there tomorrow. The Barry Jackson, Scottsdale. And then the different concours, the Pebble Beach Concours, the Kielsen Wheels Concours here in Texas. So I'll be keeping a blog uh, there. I will be doing recommendations of cars that I see all both in the internet and on the different auctions. I'm literally sick of cars. <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm sick of seeing cars, but I'm, I have an illness of cars that every evening, even after I'm done working on my business, which is around cars, I... What I do instead of watching TV, I research cars. I yep. research cars that are coming up, and I'm going to start blogging about that and, and just telling our clients and the people that kind of follow our eclectic taste. Eclectic taste. So that would be a great way to do it. Motostalgia, click on Omnibid. There you go. And listeners, you can find links to everything Antonio shared on his show notes page at carsyeah.com. Just type Antonio into the search bar. His page will pop up. With links to all these things, I encourage you to click and look and see and investigate and follow Antonio all around the world. You're like Johnny Cash. You've been everywhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Antonio, I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your incredible experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much, Mark. It was fantastic. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.